I think that there's so many things that are concerning with this economy here that I think that, especially if you're within 10 years of retirement, five years of retirement, you really have to listen because if this was true, if the economy was so well, then we wouldn't have had issues like we just had in September, October, and November with the repo market. We wouldn't have had the issues of, of interest rates being driven down and manipulation of assets again. Um, I know we're not calling it quantitative easing anymore, but um, it, it, it's like stealth easing here, I guess is what it's called. But right now, I think that we have, a, we have an economy that is being fed steroids. And I think the Fed is the dealer. And as, as long as they're supplying all this liquidity, things are going well. But if you look at the true economy versus what's really happening in the market, I mean, there's, there's a disconnect there. Thanks for watching this RTD interview. Don't forget to pick up your RTD Scary George Round, only available at stbullion.com. Now enjoy this interview. Welcome back to another RTD interview. Today I'm excited to have first-time guest, Mr. Al Casado, join us to share his thoughts on the economy, monetary system, you name it. He's the president and owner of CKS Summit Group, and also his specialty is in asset preservation consultant as well as retirement planning. So Al, welcome to Rethinking a Dollar. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate you taking time to sit down with me. And so definitely looking forward to getting your thoughts on a variety of subject matter. And it's good to know that you're you know, a, fe a fellow Michigander or a resident of Michigan as well, not too far. So I uh, appreciate you connecting with me. So uh, before thanks. we dive any further, I uh, want to just uh, give the audience a chance to find out who Al uh, Casado is. So that being the case, uh, give us a little bit of your background and you know, how you arrived at this point in your career. Well, hey, this is uh, my, uh, my 22nd, year, 22nd year owning uh, CKS Summit um, Group. Um, this is my 27th year in the business. And basically, we have been, you know, for the last, at least for the last 20 years, we've concentrated on helping pre-retirees and retirees only and helping them in the transition into the distribution phase of their life. So our goal is to preserve assets, drive income, minimize taxation, and then, of course, get all the assets to move on to the next generation. Sounds good. Well, I appreciate you for sharing that. So definitely, so you're, so you're heavily involved in preservation. And so that's one thing we focus here on rethinking a dollar is wealth preservation for the future. Given the fact that there's so many things happening around us, and unfortunately, majority of the population's not really paying attention to it. So looking forward to diving into some certain matters and getting your thoughts on it. But uh, as someone who helps assist people in preserving their wealth, uh, what are some things right now that might be the most concerning to you? What are some things that your clients perhaps might be concerned with that's a real issue perhaps that uh, you have to face? You know, I, I think the, big, the biggest issue that we have facing is, is that I, I get asked this, as a matter of fact, I was just with a client right before you, and this question came up, Al. He says, Al, what do you really believe about what's going on with this economy? And I thought it was a really good question because I, I, I feel that on the, on the surface, it looks like things are going well because you know, when we look at our 401ks and we look at our RAs, and as long as those are going up, we all feel that, oh, everything is fine. The economy is booming. Everything is going well. Jobs are down, you know, uh, um, job reports are coming in good. Things are going good. However, I think that there's so many things that are concerning with this economy here that I think that, um, especially if you're within 10 years of retirement, five years of retirement, you really have to listen because if this was true, if the economy was so well, then we wouldn't have had issues like we just had in October, November, and, and, and October, uh, uh, September, uh, September, October, and November with the repo market. Um, we wouldn't have had the issues of, 
of interest rates being driven down and manipulation of assets again. Um, I know we're not calling it quantitative easing anymore, but um, it, it, it's like stealth easing here, I guess is what it's called. But right now, I think that we have a we have an economy that's 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 on 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 uh, it's being fed steroids, and I think the Fed is the dealer, and 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 as as long as they're supplying all this liquidity, things are going well. But if you look at the true economy versus what's really happening in the market, I mean, there's there's a disconnect there. There's a there's an issue where. Our, our values are over, uh, uh, you know, P, P and E, uh, uh, P and E ratios are off whack. Things are not, are not, are not as good as they seem. And if we're playing some of our best cards now, um, when the economy supposedly is so good, then what in the world are we going to do when it hits the fan? <laughs> you know, um, and because we're playing some of the same cards we played back in 2007, you know, and we're playing them now and supposedly, Everything is good, but why are why is this happening? And to me, that's really concerning, especially for somebody that deals with people that are getting ready to that they need that asset and they need to make sure that nothing happens to that asset because any mistake could mean, hey, you know what, I can't retire in five, now I gotta retire in 10, 15, or I can't retire at all, or I gotta change my lifestyle and everything like that. So I think those are the things that are are really in the forefront of myself. And a lot of my clients are asking the same question. How much of this is real? Right. That's a, that's a great assessment. So I like where you're heading with that. And so I want to dive further because you say stealth easing. So I was taking some notes down. You said stealth easing. That is a great terminology. I might even label this interview stealth, something with stealth easing because clearly it's, 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 it's emergency measures that was introduced here prior to the last recession or as a response to the last recession. It was supposed to be temporary. But yes. there's no, nothing temporary about it. And so in your personal opinion, uh, you know, where do you see this going? Is this going to be an ongoing thing? And the best question after that will be, you know, what are some strategies now? So if we know they're going to continue to increase their balance sheet, what is maybe one strategy or one implementation you're, you know, advising or encouraging or just putting out there as a solution to that, you know, issue itself? Well, the way I, the way I look at it is, is that for, I, I think for this year, at least, <laughs> We're not, we're, you know, the, 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 the gorilla in the room is that we are in an election year. And I don't think, I, I, I don't think this Fed things independently <laughs> on its own here. I think that it falls to a lot of pressure of what's being um, handed down to them for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And I think that they're on a mission to make sure that things keep going as long as possible. And so I feel that, I think that we're going to get more of the same that we just had coming in at the end of the year here with more monetary, with what I would call more monetary easing and making it a lot easier for money to flow into the markets and getting people out of safe assets and moving them into the fire. And, um, you know, and I think that's going to continue to grow till at least through, I think at least through, through election. Um, I think we're going to see some choppiness and stuff like that, but I, you, I think we're going to get it a little bit smoother. You know, we got the China deal that's now starting to ease up a little bit and everything else like that. But, um, you know, we're, we're all creatures of, 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 of the instant um, news that comes out and, oh, China's bad. But then we forget that there's still a lot of issues just in Europe alone, you know, and all these other things that are happening to us. So I, I do think that these markets are going to, I don't know, they'll be as heated as they were last year. But I do still see a trend there, and but I still caution people that, you know, this is the time of the this is the time, where for whatever reason, um, whether it's been um, manipulated or not, that a lot of people have been able to recover and actually get ahead. Yeah. And now is the time when you have to really ask yourself, 
where is your exit strategy? Because of the, the, the mess up that comes in is that most people all know their entries. Almost to a uh, almost to a fault, anybody that I see, I know they come in here and I ask them, what is the exit strategy? And they kind of look at you with a blank face. Like, what do you mean exit yeah. strategy? Yeah. And I think, I think now more than ever, there needs to be a need to, uh, it seems to be in the forefront of individuals, of investors to say, okay, when is it time to start removing some of these, to, to start really looking at, at, at risk management? And the closer, see, the closer that you get to that, to that retirement age, it's really not about growth management. It's really about managing risk because you've taken all the risk you, you wanted to, to get you to where you're at. Now is can I manage risk to maintain the asset base that's going to generate the income for years to come? Yeah. So I think that that is something that um, if, if you're in that, in that small period of time, it has to be looked at. Yeah. And you hit, you threw out a lot of great things there. And so the, earlier you said about being thrown in the fire or getting into the fire. So right now it looks like uh, the driver of equities and all the, the inf overinflated assets that have been considered a big portion of people's net worth. And so it happens to be measured in your home equity as well as your report portfolio retirement wise as a key measures of how people determine their net worth. And so would you say that they're, they're, they're excessively inflated and to the point where they're in bubble territory where you mentioned about exiting you know what would be some strategies if we are in bubble territory when equity has been at all-time highs pe ratios being a little skewed what are your thoughts on the bubble side of things like people getting out as you referenced yeah i i think so because you're you're, you're starting to see you know i always say that when 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 the big money has a finger on the trigger um is there's a reason and and usually what happens is is that you know, big money pulls out first, the small investor comes in and they're the ones that get caught holding the bag. Yeah. And we're kind of like in that era right now. And so as, 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 as we're trying to look at this, we're trying to, we, we have to say to ourselves, you know, how much of this am I willing, you know, if a 2008 happened today, how much of this am I willing to just say goodbye to and start all over again? Now watch this out quick, quick. I like, I like that. But here's one of the biggest things where, you know, according to the channel and the things I talk about a lot, the problem with that is I don't think there's going to be a typical reboot or restart in the way that it has been due to the fact suppression of true price discovery is the new norm is extremely low rates and artificial markets. So what will be that next re reboot or regeneration to, you know, just, people being able to get back in and start over again. Like, especially if you're a baby boomer, like you, there's no starting over typically because you know, there's no real demand or need in the workforce, ideally for someone on, of the older caliber, unless they're heavily skilled. So will there be a typical restart for someone who loses something in this next recession, which a lot of people might say it might be a depression. The, uh, there won't be a restart. It's going to be even tougher. And it gets tougher in, 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 in retirement because of the fact that we're not having the influx of, of new asset coming in. You know, you get a lot of people that say, hey, you know, I, I, I only lost X amount of dollars to the whole time. But then they, they, forget to say, they, they forget to look back and analyze how much of their own money they put into, the, into, into what was happening. So it skewed the losses in, in, in itself. And what happens is, is that once the money starts, stops flowing in and you're getting into retirement, there's no, there's no um, um, job money coming in. Now it's all on you. And at the same time that you're now starting to distribute the asset, now you're asking for trouble because now if the markets are not working with you and you're starting to sell into a down market, 
it just extrapolates itself where at the, by the time you get to the bottom, you don't have to double up just to maintain the same income levels you had before. And it makes it almost impossible to reboot. Right. And if you don't have, and that's where I think people need to understand that re rebooting in retirement is not the same thing as rebooting if you were working in 2008. Right. And then also, as things, as prices go down and people look to sell to, to provide income monthly, my big question is who's going to be the buyer? Like, you know, the younger generation, you know, millennials and younger, you know, they're excited by so many alternatives, cryptocurrencies and, you know, not really big on gold and silver for a lot of the younger crowd, but they're not investing. So who's going to be the buyers of those things that even keep something, uh, you know, coming in? So what are your thoughts on that? Would the Federal Reserve be then be buying? Asset purchase? Guess, guess who the biggest buyer today is? Is the Fed. <laughs> I mean, they're they're buying like it's going out of style. Um, and and you know that's the thing is 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 how long are they going to keep these balance sheets? They were supposed to reduce these balance sheets, you know. And they tried. They tried. You know, now, now they just shot themselves in the foot because who's going to buy that stuff as as interest rates are coming down? The balance sheets are getting overinflated. Now what? You know. And I think that's 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 the issue. And and I don't know if there's a real answer yet other than to say that, you know what, it's not right. right. And, and if you're a small investor, you have to really take, start protecting yourself, making right. sure you're gonna be okay because all the stuff that's going on out of here um, eventually will trickle down, okay? And the ones that pay the price are the small investors, the right. people that work every day, you know? Right. And that's the kind of issues that we have right now that I think that if we don't really pay attention to that, um, I think a lot of people are going to be all of a sudden, like, you know, I think every, it, 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 I, I think we're having what we call a frost economy. Everybody's like the, the, the exuberance, you know, over exuberance over what and how is that created? Nobody's really caring about how it's created. All they see is like, Hey, my 401k is up 22% from last year. Yeah. I'm a happy guy. Everything's fine. Let's keep going. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Thanks for watching this interview. If you're enjoying content like this, feel free to become a part of the RTD community by becoming a member via Patreon. All it takes is a monthly contribution of about $5 a month for more great content such as this. Just scroll down beneath this video here and click the Patreon link and then hit this tab right here to become a member of the team. Looking forward to bringing you more great content. Now, let's get back to this interview. Thanks. So I'm curious to find out as a consultant uh, and a person and the person who helps people strategize. Uh, so as a, as a commentator, as someone who reaches out and like to warn people, that's basically what we're trying to do. We're trying to warn people at the end of the day and, and, and help them best as we can protect themselves from what's occurring and coming. And so get, I'm curious to find out your strategies. What, you know, what's one or two or three things that you are easy, like not necessarily selling pitches, but things that you just say, hey, one, two, three, you know, it's factual. What are you going to do about it? Is there anything in particular you use for strategies to get your clients to wake up if they're not woke already? Well, it, 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 there's, you know, we don't cookie cut or anything. So everything, everything is so specific to what the individual is doing. Um, but what, what you have to start looking at alternatives at, at non-stock market alternatives. I mean, you have to start looking at income-based um, alternatives. You start you have to start looking at, at, at preservation of alternatives and things like that. Things that that are going to reduce the the amount of, of 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 exposure that you have. So they can maintain the integrity of what it is going to fuel you. See, there has to be a definite line between your growth assets and your distribution assets. Your growth assets is stuff that, hey, you know what? If they're gone tomorrow, I feel fine. My, 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 my distribution asset, the asset that I'm going to live on, these are the ones I care about, and these are the ones that we have to look at strategies that 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 negate a lot of that risk, or at least reduce a lot of that risk, and give us a little more certainty because. 
we all want income when we retire. The problem is that most of us, the best we're going to do is if come. If the markets do this, my lifestyle will do this. If my portfolio keeps going the rate it is, then my and, – and the thing is you have to change that mindset that you have to get back. There's a reason why it's called income and not if come. And so we need some certainties put into that portfolio that allow us to um, satisfy that so that we can take away some of that – some of that um, all that – crazy volatility because volatility is a friend of, of growth. It could be a friend of growth if you know how to work the market because you can make money going up, going down. However, volatility is the enemy of income. It kills you. Yeah, good point there. So I'm curious to dive further now because you mentioned, you know, you got the growth and you got the preservation side, you got different strategies. And so if you don't mind, let's dive into a little bit of uh, one or two examples, perhaps, you know, everybody's situation is different, but just for, for general sake, uh, when it comes to growth, what are some things that are is probably ideal that has minimum risk, but yet probably a little bit more uh, upside, give or take long term for someone, you know, in the, in the 30s, 40s, someone that's really looking to hopefully weather the storm of what's coming, uh, even though I, I believe ultimately is going to be, end up being a currency situation. Um, what are some strategies or one or two nuggets you can probably share with the audience? I really think that it's not about the asset class because um, if, if you, whatever you have in equities, it's like the old saying says that when, when, when the tide goes down, all ships what? Sink. Mm -hmm. So I don't care what asset class you're in in the market because 2008, 2003 proved it. It didn't matter where you were, whether you were in, in foreign, this or anything, it all took the loss. So when the things go down, everything's going to take a loss. I think it really what it needs to come down is the education of discipline and, uh, and, and, and the focus of need versus greed. Because that's the, that's the main, that, those are the things that we need to focus on. Because, see, products are products. Um, that's not going to fix anything. What's going to fix it is, is, is your strategy behind it and understanding the discipline and understanding what it takes, understanding that if you're going to buy a stock, do you have a stop loss on it? Do you know when you're going to get out? Again, the exit plan. Um, so it goes back to really, I think, goes back to educating the individual on on discipline because understanding where where we're at the the the, the fact that the i don't know who invented the fact that we have to lose assets i think zero is your hero i think when <laughs> if you can just take money out of the market and it's sitting on a on a, on a nothing at the bank while everybody else is losing 20 or 30 or 40 you're a winner so it's not about where you place it it's it's about how learning the strategies and learning the discipline and having the, the, the courage to say, hey, um, changes need to be made, but I need to educate. And I think right now education is lacking. We're just kind of just going crazy and not really ever looking at And we're all the same kind of the fiber of, uh, you hear it all the time. Hey, don't worry about it. It's, it's going to come back. Don't worry about it. Gonna, this, those days are over. I mean, you got to start thinking, you got to start thinking ahead. And I think it's really about the education, not so much the products. Okay. The products are just, um, you know, those are just vehicles to get you there. But yeah. you've got to have the engineering behind it. You have to have all the other stuff to make sure that that's what's working so that when you put that product in, it's just a matter of just saying, I'm going to plug this in and see and, and, and actually work with it. So, right. right. And I appreciate you for sharing that. And so, you know, a part of my, my long term thinking. And so the very name of the show is called Rethinking the Dollar. And so it's one of the things where I typically start off asking my guests, you know, what are their thoughts on the future of the Federal Reserve note as we know it? based upon what we see from history, you know, reserve currency status typically last 30, 40 years and prior years, the dollar federal reserve note is, you know, 107 years old as of today. And if you look at the dollar, 
purchasing price, purchasing power graph, it, it just from what, what dollar purchased so much to now is like two cents, three cents. So a lot of the, 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 the ideas here is like thinking long-term as far as what, what we use as our national currency. And I think eventually that's gonna become a problem because I, we, I use examples of like Zimbabwe, all the smaller countries that are just self-contained currencies. We see what happened when governments go crazy with debt and monetary policy for central banks. Oh, how concerning to you is the fact that in the near future, there might be some issues with the currency that we currently use, which is priced and denominated in all the assets that we typically hold and buy. Is that something that you are ever concerned with? Or do you even think that's a possibility down the line? Or what's your, your, current, your thoughts on the currency, the reserve status of the Federal Reserve note? My, my thoughts on that is that I think that, that there's a possibility of that. Um, you, know, you, you're, you know, we are the, the, the reserve currency of the world right now. I know China and other countries want to be. How long that'll last, I don't know. I just don't, I don't see that probably within the next 10, 20 years. I don't think so. Um, I see that, I do see that as, a, as an issue that I think that um, millennials are going to have to deal with. I do think that that's an issue that whoever comes behind the millennials, whatever they're called, <laughs> um, um, is going to have to deal with. Um, Go ahead. Now, one second, let me interject. I'm sorry to cut you. I just, because, you know, so you say 10, 20, 10, 10 or 20 or whatever down the line. And so because of this repo, not QE, or as you say, stealth easing. Yeah. What's the likelihood that this repo activity escalates even more? Because we're being told it's 100 billion a month. But once again, there's been an audit of the Fed. Who really knows? You got a shadow banking issue. Uh, so because of this emergency measure, is there any chance that that 20 years, 10 years can perhaps be sped up a little bit because of these unprecedented policies? Oh, yeah, anything's possible. I mean, anything's possible. I, we're kind of in the wild, wild west right now. <laughs> you, know, it's, you know, you look at some of these measures that are being taken right now and, and how quickly the, 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 the Fed is just really dictating what's happening. Um, I think the possibilities of anything have to be, I, I think our mind has to be open. Yeah. You can no longer be closed-minded and say, hey, we're okay because all our fundamentals are okay. The issue is that our fundamentals are not okay, right. but that we have to be open to any type of possibility um, of happening out in the future, near future, or things happening. I mean, you know, you talk about Social Security. Who, who would have thought that in, you know, 2035, 2036, 2032, this thing goes bankrupt? Um, you know, they're moving that. The, the, things are changing consistently because yeah. of monetary policy. So I feel that we are in a time where I think you have to be open to things happening because it is, to me, is the wild, wild west out there. I mean, the way the Fed's behaving, the way things are happening, the way that the markets are behaving, um, nothing makes sense, but yet things are moving, you know? So I'm with you. I think that, I think that you, have to keep, you, have, you have to keep an open mind as to possibilities. And that's where, again, education and really listening and going beyond what you hear just in, the, in your local news and your local uh, broadcasting um, uh, networks, um, and really diving into what's really happening, and, and saying and asking yourself, does this make sense? If I ran a business and I did it this way, would I succeed? Right. Now, as we draw towards the end of our chat, um, Ray Dalio, Bridgewater founder, uh, recently Davos last week, uh, I believe, uh, was quoted as saying, it's twice now, cash is trash. And he was hinting at the importance of having some exposure to what I consider, you know, real money in the form of gold. And so, you know, I wonder, you know, is, is, is 
solid metal, precious metals from a historical standpoint, is that something of a, perhaps I consider it money overall, but is that something that you would say is a hedge against some of the possibilities of a increased inflation one day or possible hyperinflation in the US, God forbid, but would you say gold, silver are some anchors that people should consider, have, you know, what are your thoughts and strategies? It, it, it could, and it all depends on, on, on how your, your entire portfolio is set up and, and can we afford to do any of that. Should, like, we do not deal in gold here and, and any of those commodities. Um, we, you know, we're not experts in that area or anything like that. Do our clients have them because they have other people that put them in there? Yes. Um, do I believe that a small portion of that can be part of anybody's portfolio, just like real estate or anything else can? I do believe that. Um, and I think it can help hedge against different things. Um, it all depends on, again, the balance of the one in the portfolio and what you really want to do with it. Um, so when it comes to gold, when it comes to any precious metals, silver, and all that kind of stuff, um, am I against it? No. I, I, the, the, is there a place for it in the proper portfolio? I absolutely believe so. Right. Sounds good. Well, I appreciate you for sharing your insights as well as your, your exper expertise, knowledge, and your concerns as well with the, our audience. For those that may not know uh, where to find you, I would love to have them be able to point back to you and get more information as to what you're doing, what services you offer. Can you leave us with the ways people can connect with you? Absolutely. First of all, you can find us on, uh, on our web, uh, uh, summitgp.com, summitgp.com. You can find us on Facebook. Um, we're also on Instagram and uh, uh, YouTube and everything like that. Or you can always call us. We're here located in Clinton Township, Michigan. And our number is 586-286-5820. All right. Well, Al, once again, I appreciate you taking time to join us on RTD. Looking forward to connecting again and getting your thoughts as we move into this year and we things unfold and we're exposed to all types of different craziness. And so I appreciate you joining us on the channel. Looking forward to connecting with you and again. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. All right. You as well.